0: 100 Quat on the newcomers. 400 Quat lose against the newcomers. 200 Quat lose against. 500 for the newcomers. Contest by multiple elimination.
1: Space. The final frontier. These are the recordings of the podcast Gimme That Star Trek. Its ongoing mission. To explore all of Star Trek. To seek out new guests and new opinions to boldly go where many have gone before. Welcome to episode... well, no, I'm not going to give this Gimme give That Star Trek an episode number because it's essentially just an announcement, plus subspace transmissions at the end. Uh, Star Trek news and your comments for episode 30. So yes, it's that time of year again. We're planning another Star Trek bracket fight. Last year, the heroes of Star Trek battled it out for top prize. In this year's May edition of Gimme That Star Trek, 64 bad guys will compete for the title of greatest villain in Star Trek. And you can win Fire & Water merch if you guess the most slots correctly. Uh, you'll find the opening matchups at fireandwaterpodcast.com slash show slash Star Trek. Grab the picture, edit with any old image editor or else print it out, fill it out by hand, scan it, or then take a picture of it and send it back to me at the email address in the post or on social media if we're, we're friends there. And do so no later than May 1st. The winner will be announced at the end of the bracket fight. To win, you must fill in every slot, up to and including the final winner. Whoever gets the most out of 63 wins the prize. Easy as that. I will have four panelists with me like last time, each bringing their own take on the characters. Uh, In each fight, they will have a chance to make a case for their favorite based on whoever they find most worthy to pass to the next round. Uh, We call it a fight, but it's not about pitting the characters in a triskelion ring or anything, they can be judged on historical importance, coolness factor, wits, toughness, whatever the panelists want. If a character gets at least three votes, it moves on to the next round to face an even tougher challenger. I will not tell you who the panelists are so that those of you who know them cannot gain an advantage over those who don't. Now, there was some grumpiness about the last bracket fight because I didn't rank the characters properly according to some. I maintain that it's more interesting to have characters with something in common go head to head than number one versus number 64, number two versus number 63, and so on, with every fight practically decided beforehand. Still, I think we struck a better balance this time. Look at the bracket sheet. You will see four great divisions, the original series and their movies, the next gen era and its movies, the prequels, which include Enterprise, Discovery, and the Kelvin timeline, and the sequels, Deep Space Nine and Voyager. As to who got into each of those divisions, uh, as much as was possible, we included every villain that ever appeared in more than one story, and the top villain of every Star Trek movie, since those left more of a mark on pop culture. After that, we filled the rest with villains who we felt were iconic despite their one-time appearance. Because Star Trek has a way of making friends out of foes, the villains we picked may not always have been villains, or may have been redeemed along the way. Some of them might even have been in the hero bracket. Uh, So we didn't care about that. If you look at the prequels division, you'll also see the recast Khan and recast Harry Mudd are included. And that's because we had more room in this fight than the previous, where two versions of every TOS character would have cost too many slots. And finally, if you're asking, hey... What about the Borg as a whole, or the Tribbles, or the Tholians, or Gorn, or Orions, or Breen, or Vidians? Don't fret—they'll show up next year in our species bracket fight. Only singular villains here, and yes, we did sacrifice some of our favorites along the way, like many Mirror Universe characters: Korax, Persis, and Malik, Kivasfajo, Trelane, and Enterprise's mysterious future guy. So. Pull that bracket sheet and start filling up those slots. You can try to guess the consensus five Star Trek nerds will come to, or you can just go with your heart. But either way, I need your entries in hand no later than May 1st. May the best guesser win. After the break... Subspace so Transmissions, that's Star Trek News and your feedback from the previous episode. Hey, Jared, I have a question. What's up? Well, I've been a part of the Longbox Crusade for about a year and a half now. Yeah,
0: well, that's not a question, man.
1: I know, I'm getting to it. That was called Build Up. Like I was saying, I've been with the Longbox Crusade and I have gone out and represented the show faithfully. That's still not a question. I'm still building up. I was wondering, could I be a part of the official promo? There's this great promo for the podcast that airs across podcast land and it has Pat Sampson, the founder of the show, you, the art, sell artists. And your brother, Jason, a.k.a. Weasel Skull, but it doesn't have me, Delvin Williams, the Dark Web. Could you ask the guys if they would let me be a part of the promotion since you were the one who invited me onto the show?
0: Well, not to be a Mr. Quick to correct, but that was at least two questions. Still, I guess I'll ask. Let me go talk to the guys and you stay here.
1: Okay, great. Thanks, man.
0: Hey, guys. Hey, what's up, Jared? What's up, Jared? I have a question. Delvin's been with us for like a year and a half. That's not a question. Uh, Yeah, I know. It's called Build Up. Hey, can we finally include him on the promo? It's the least we can do. He doesn't know that we're getting paid yet. And he never will. I mean, do we need him? After all, we already have the Longbox Crusade. And I provide awesome synopsis and insight on Crusader Chronicles. And I host Saturday Matinee Theater and also provide these nuts jokes. Hey, I do that. Me too. So we're fine as it is. What does Delvin do? We should just let him go. Wait, he hosts Transformers Chronicles. You should know that, Pat. You're on that show. So what do you say? Can we keep him? (sighs) Fine, let's do it. Let's do it live. We could have done this with him in the room. It would have made more sense. Why is he outside? I think we were doing a bit. Okay, let's do this. The Longbox Crusade Podcast Network is the place to be if you like deep dives into comics of yesteryear with the Longbox Crusade, chronological reading journals with Crusader Chronicles, indexing forgotten TV shows, films, and serials with Saturday Matinee Theater, pitting two randomly selected action films against one another, in action film face-off, cataloging the Marvel run of the Transformers comic with Transformers Chronicles and whatever else the demented minds of Pat, Jared, Jason, and Delvin can come up with. If that sounds like it might be for you, be sure to subscribe to The Longbox Crusade on iTunes, Google Play, and pretty much all reputable podcast feeds. Or check this out directly at www.longboxcrusade.com where we continue our quest to...
1: Incoming subspace transmissions. In Star Trek news, writing has begun on the new Section 31 series. But if you thought the organization's presence in Season 2 of Discovery means they were going to launch right out of it, think again. In reality, they are aiming for directly after Season 3 of Discovery. So yes, the show's just been renewed. And apparently, Michelle Yeoh, as Section 31's Captain Giorgio, will continue to appear in Discovery until then. If you're looking to me to reveal the title of the upcoming Picard show... I don't know that I can. CBS is being tight-lipped about this, and Patrick Stewart has been forbidden to reveal it. Although, in a recent interview, Discovery star Sonequa Martin-Green seems to have let slip that it would be called, simply, Picard. But if it's that simple, why keep it a secret? Personally, I think that's just what they're calling it when they have to mention it in conversation, and it's not the actual title. Let's talk toys. Toy Fair 2019 unveiled a number of new Trek items for your toy box, or Nerd Shelf. Factor Entertainment are coming out with big headed vinyl figurines of TOS characters including Kirk and the Gorn, uh, collectible metal miniatures like the Horta, Nomad, the Captain's Chair, and a life-sized original series Phaser, and collector plush toys, essentially pause play dogs in TOS and TNG Starfleet uniforms. Mego is coming out with new Star Trek dolls showing off prototypes for Kirk, Spock, the Gorn, and a red shirt, uh, Quantum Mechanics is coming out with uh, Starfleet and Terran Empire badges and pins. Round 2 unveiled its glueless Snap-It models for the USS Enterprise-D, the NX-01 Enterprise, the USS Grissom, the Klingon Bird of Prey, and the USS Discovery. A USS Shenzhou is also planned. WizKids was demonstrating its new Star Trek Conflict in the Neutral Zone game, a flicking-style game where ships get flicked towards resources and combat positions. They also announced some TNG Heroclix figures and a deal with Fox to produce Heroclix from the Orville. And finally, there was the Coop showing off their new Borg Cube tote bag, and uh, they also announced other accessories like the Borg Cube squeaker toy, the Discovery messenger bag, and a TOS Klingon plush. <laughs> On the video game front, Game Samba announced the official launch of the web strategy game Star Trek Alien Domain Incursion, which is a follow-up to their Star Trek Alien Domain game from 2015. Star Trek Alien Domain Incursion is a free-to-play, HTML5-based strategy game you can play in a web browser. According to the press release, Players and fans have battled Species 8472 and each other for the better part of four years in Game Samba's first Star Trek game, Star Trek Alien Domain. The story evolves in Star Trek Alien Domain Incursion as players find themselves on the other side of the Bajoran wormhole in the Gamma Quadrant. Players will have the option to join either the United Federation of Planets or the Dominion. Both factions must not only face each other but also must prepare to face 8472's forces from fluidic space. The game is in open beta test right now. They're looking for your feedback. IDW has so many Star Trek series and miniseries on the go at any given time that I don't often bother to mention them here unless they're pretty unusual. I think this one counts. George Takei has written an autobiographical graphic novel called They Called Us Enemy about his experience in an internment camp during World War II with art by Harmony Becker. The 192-page book is set to come out in May. Now pulling a selection of your comments on fireandwaterpodcast.com about episode 30, in which Derek, William, Crab, and I discussed Shakespeare and Star Trek and something we called the Shakespeare Code. Chris Franklin first says great episode. I had no idea that Derek was so cultured. Sorry, Derek. I will be honest and admit, a lot of my early exposure to Shakespeare came from Trek. Of course, even though I am in no way a scholar, I had an appreciation of the Bard from an early age. After all, his bust was the gateway to the Batcave. It leaves a mark on a kid, you know? Rob Kelly comments on our evaluation of the Orville, which was its a tribute to Next Gen, with fart jokes. He says, pretty sure this will be incorporated in the Orville's Season 3 marketing materials. Jack Bond says, thanks Siskoid for your spirited defense of Shakespeare, not as a Superman, but as a superb man. Well put, Brian Linton says. One of my first encounters with Shakespeare was playing the Vein of Ross in our fifth grade production of Macbeth. But the first time Shakespeare really grabbed me was when I watched Kenneth Branagh's Henry V. This was the first and only time I have rewatched a movie immediately after having just seen it for the first time. Wow, I do have to admit that this episode left me feeling a little melancholy. On the on the one hand, it's fun to imagine Shakespeare having that kind of, literally universal appeal. On the other. That would seem to imply that humanity reached its literary peak back in Elizabethan times, which is a little depressing. Well, Brian, what's a couple more centuries when it's already true today after 400 years? Am I right? I think I'm right. Santarin says, uh, so far as Shakespeare connections, my son is named Horatio, and I live in the sister city of Wittenberg in Denmark. Oh, and as far as the Star Trek connection, uh, my son is named Horatio, after Hornblower, who both Kirk and Picard are based on. J. David Weeder correlates the Vulcan salute with... Romeo's farewell to Balthazar, live and be prosperous. Well, that's an interesting connection. Uh, And little Russell Burbage says, Nice work, gentlemen. I, too, am a Star Trek fan and an English major who owns the collected works of Shakespeare. And as a Burbage, I have a strong affinity for my family's old buddy, William. So for those who might not know, Richard Burbage was one of William Shakespeare's friends and main actors and one of the owners of the Globe Theatre. Russell, please tell me you're a direct descendant. Anyway, as usual, let me remind you that you too can leave a comment at FinewaterPodcast.com, on the Fire and Water Facebook page or on Twitter, we're FW Podcasts. Until the next episode, and while I wait for your entries, this is Siskoid reminding you to guess boldly.